It's a milestone 15th episode of the Owls AmeriCast, Sheffield Wednesday, Opinion with an American Accent. There's four of us in the box this week to go over the Steel City Derby and the FA Cup replay. I'm your host, of course, Jeffrey Paternostro, and this week I am drinking a Finca de Origen Reserva 2014 Malbec from the Mendoza region of Argentina because it is what I opened for dinner. So I figured I will just continue to plow through it. Also on the line this week, our Ohio owl, Evan Skilter. Evan, what are you drinking? I have a double pour of Maker's Mark over some Whiskey Rocks. Maker's has slowly but just recently overtaken Evan Williams as my go-to on-hand whiskey. So very happy to have Maker's alongside me tonight. Do you actually use the Whiskey Stones? Uh, yeah, they were a Christmas gift, a, a stocking stuffer, if you will. And um, I figured at least I'll use them for, for a month or two to, to appease the gift giver. Um, and they <laughs> are appreciated. At, that, yeah, I've tried them at times. It's never like quite worked for me. but Yeah, they're nice looking. And, uh, you know, it's nice to have. Also on the line, one of our New York owls, unsurprisingly not in New York. James, where are you this week and what are you drinking? I'm at Disney, Jeff, um, without my children, which is kind of strange. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm at Disney World on a work trip. Uh, well, it's not really a work trip to Disney, just to be clear. We're having a meeting at Disney, which happens to be near the park. So I'm not actually in the. I'm not hanging around with Mickey, just in case anyone thinks that's weird. Um, and I'm drinking, uh, I found the only craft beer, I think, that exists in the, uh, in the Disney establishments, uh, which is... Uh, it's called uh, Boom Sauce from uh, the Lord Hobo Brewing Company, which I had to smuggle up from the, uh, the hotel bar just now to get into my hotel room. And it's, uh, it's a, a double IPA, uh, about 7.8%. This is my second, and it's, uh, it's very nice. I might keep the glass, actually, which I've, uh, I've snuck up, so we'll, uh, we'll see how we go. I like that you've uh, sort of taken the, you just won the Super Bowl, what are you going to do now? You're going to Disney World and applying it to a 0-0 draw at Bramall Lane. <laughs> It was the obvious recourse, right? You know, you've got to celebrate in style, so I headed straight for Florida. Also with us, possibly viewing this podcast through a virtual reality headset right now is Patty Jones. Patty, what are you drinking? And are you actually drinking it in the real world or in the virtual reality world? Uh, I'm drinking it in the real world. It's a JD. I told you last week, I'm going through basically what's left over from New Year's Eve. So I've gone through all my beer. And I just luckily found the dregs of a Jack Daniels bottle in the back of my fridge. So I've got a JD and Coke. And, uh, yeah, I'm surprised I actually didn't get the uh, grander entrance kind of I was expecting. Jeff, do you know who I am? I mean, I'm quite famous. I've been on TV. You oh, know? We'll, we'll get to that in any other business. <laughs> it's a good, good job. But what a difference a week does make here on the Owls AmeriCast. We did survive the Steel City Derby. Still the last team in Sheffield to do the double. Our new manager, Yas Lukai, is shaking up the formation. We're into the fourth round of the FA Cup, and there may even be some optimism around the club. And it all started with a 0-0 draw at Bramall Lane. And Evan, it started the way that Wednesday nights have been calling for all season with a 3-5-2. Right. Is it a 3-5-2 or is it a 5-3-2? I think that's a, a good question to ask because, yeah, we play with three in the back, but at the same time, 
both of our wing backs were were defenders. So uh, doesn't matter to me though. Just curious what you guys think. I mean, we have to use defenders loosely when Morgan Fox is one of them. But yes. <laughs> well, I, you have to use the term player loosely when he's on the pitch. Can you just stop hating Paul Morgan Fox? I know it's not like I've actually. It, I know he's had basically just an abysmal run of form the last six weeks or so. But I did actually when he first popped up, like I thought he was a. I mean, not a quality player, but a solid enough championship level player. But he has, tell you been, what, he has been abysmal, let's be clear. I, as soon as I see him do something positive on the pitch, I'll let up a little bit. It's been a few matches, though. No, fair enough. Um, I mean, I think the whole point of the 3-5-2 is you can be flexible in attack and defense. Right, and in, in Joss is, has a history of being a defensive-minded coach uh, or manager, I guess. I mean, the United and, game is uh, certainly a good example of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's just been, it's been nice to to see the kind of the change in formation. I know we've been calling for something to change. We need a, kind of a spark, and uh, it's nice to freshen up a little bit. And I know we'll get to the <clears throat> the FA Cup match soon, but, you know, it was nice to see some new faces in there. So he's definitely doing a nice job freshening things up, and I was I was very happy with, uh, with the nil-nil draw. I know we will get on to sort of the, the youth players coming into the Carlisle game, but I do want to make a note that Admittedly, it was the dying moments of the game. It certainly looked like it was going to go nil-nil. He still threw on Sean Clare in a derby match late where, you know, if he makes a mistake there, it could easily lead to the what would be, a, at that point, a back-breaking winning goal. So I do think it's, it's not just a... It wasn't just a symbolic gesture. It was, I trust these players, I've seen them in training, and they're going to get a run if I think we need fresh legs. I think it's really encouraging. Um, like I say, um, there's more to do with the Carlisle game, but I think um, just giving them, uh, the fringe players a little more confidence, not just the under-23s, you can see it in the way Joao was playing on the, on Friday. He just seems to have a little bit more confidence Um taking people on, um, running around, being that strength and the pace that we know he's got. Um, still looking for that final product a little bit more, and he still can't pass to save his life. Um, but I thought Joao put a great shift in uh, on Friday. And I think you, you, see, you see, like, like we need these fringe players now to uh, feel wanted and feel like they deserved um, to uh, to be played in the first team. Whereas, I mean, one of Carlos's um, parting uh, sentences and phrases was when he left... Um, Wednesday, and as was interviewed by Swansea, was that he couldn't motivate those people on the fringe. And you saw that towards the end of his reign. With the first team injured, no one else looked bothered. And it's because they've probably been ignored for the past um, year or so uh, when they've got these players in front of him. But now with Joost uh, coming in, it looks like he's given everyone a, a kind of clean slate to work off, which is great. And you're seeing like people like Joao and the under-23s get a chance now. And it's all on merit because um, they've played great over the last two games. I think that's absolutely right, Paddy. And it, 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 there's one part of it which is kind of giving, giving. I don't even, I'm not sure fringe plays is the right phrase, really, because I mean, the whole strategy was to have two players for every position. But what we're definitely talking about is non first choice players under Carlos. And, and what's become very, very apparent very quickly is that Carlos had his preferred 11, which was basically the Wembley 11, and he wasn't really very flexible beyond that. But I, I don't think it's just about motivating those second string players or, or the backup players. 
there's clearly something going on on the training field, which which is different, right? And, and I think, as far as I'm aware, Yossi's only brought in maybe one or two other coaches alongside him. He's still working with a lot of the club infrastructure. But in those four days before the derby, he, he, he transformed that back line. I mean, I know he made a formation shift in terms of moving to the 3-5-2 or the 5-3-2 when we're in defensive mode. Um, but they looked like they were organised, and and that was the thing that just you know particularly as the first half kind of got going and obviously United came at us out of the traps and it, it was pretty much one way traffic for the first fifteen minutes. We looked pretty stubbornly uh, cohesed. We kind of you know there was there was really good communication going on between the the, the back three. Um, Financia looked more assured. Um, you know, I thought Daniel Padil had a had a good game. One duck aside, very very early on in the game, and it, it it was just very clear that in those very few days that that he had with the squad before the derby, that he got some I have to assume fairly simple messages across, which made the good players that we had play fairly effectively. And it's actually quite damning in a way against the Carlos era that that those same players with a slightly different formation with slightly different messaging could deliver a much, much better result than we've seen for at least the first part of this season. Yeah. I think that's a, a good point, James. I think we definitely look good at the back. I'm, I'm curious though, if, if Luvens is kind of on the way out, um, you know, we, we looked good defensively, but he was kind of the, um, the, the dark spot, I suppose, in, in the, the brightness of our back line. It, it just seems like we've seen over and over Lubin's getting more and more clumsy as, as time goes on. And uh, obviously, two, two tough calls there in the match. I, I'm getting nervous that, uh, that Lubin's is maybe on his way out. Yeah, not, I, not I nervous. I, I, I'd, I, like to, I'd like to see us have someone that can, can fill his shoes. I don't, I don't dislike Lubin's as a person. I think he works hard. I just think he's, he's definitely on the tail end of, of things in his career. Yeah, we can we can talk about who replaces him in a second because I think actually that 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 scenario is is probably more positive than maybe it was even two weeks ago. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not sure they were tough decisions. I mean, you know, we, we had a big crowd down in the football factory in New York, and and there was kind of you know there was a lot of kind of gnashing your teeth and uh, and crying <coughs> crying foul when he was uh, when he was yellow carded on both occasions. But they were fair yellow cards, uh, and and they were fair for one simple reason, which was he was he was a yard behind the play. He was he was second too late with his challenges. They weren't necessarily malicious. But they, yeah, yeah. They, they, they weren't well-timed. And it's symptomatic of what we've seen from Leuven's quite a lot this season. We saw it in the mistake that was made against Derby uh, when he brought down Vidra for the penalty and was sent off. Um, we saw it against Millwall, uh, the challenge on halfway that gave away goal. We, we saw that challenge against Ipswich. Um, I can't remember the guy now. He, he, uh, he nearly castrated. It's... It's not. It's 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 not malevolence. It's it's just unfortunately a player who's reaching a point in his career. He was just not quite attuned to the play at the same speed as he used to be, and his his judgment may not be wrong, but his execution is not right, and it, it is costing us. To, to be clear, to be clear, I didn't mean tough calls as in it, they were close calls or they were wrong calls. I just meant tough for for Lubins and tough for the the club to see a guy go out. And I think it's a, a just a matter of he still. You know, some players, some central defenders especially, it happens to all of them. They lose a step at some point, and some can adjust. And, like, Luvens hasn't made that adjustment yet. He still thinks he has that extra step of pace that he had two years ago to make those challenges. Yeah, but it's time. It's time to put him to rest. It's time to take him to the glue factory. 
I mean, sorry, Glenn, it's, it's been it's been great for us. And I got into a Twitter argument, uh, one of the first ones in a long time, actually, about um, Glenn recently, because I said it's time to go. And it's by, by no means is it doing him a disservice, because he's been a great leader, great, great defender for us. But it's obvious, obvious to everybody. We said that every single week, he hasn't got the pace. He's a lame duck. He needs to leave the squad, uh, hand over the captain's armband, and let a young kid come up or let one of the new signings come up because it's just uh, it's not good enough anymore. If we're going to stick with this three-five-two, what he what he very clearly can't be is he can't be one of the exposed centre backs. So he can't play on the left or the right hand side of that three. Um, there's maybe an argument to say that he could adapt in the way that you're describing Paddy as 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 the central centre back in in a in a, a true three-five-two. Um, but we're always going to be carrying that risk, and 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 that's. It's been glaringly obvious for the past two seasons that we were going to have to make that decision that we needed to make the acquisition and we needed to to plan beyond Leuven's, Um and we didn't do so. So, you know, that that's kind of what what kind of throws up some of the challenges for the the transfer window coming. You know, do we make that move now? Do we bring in that experience? Do we bring through somebody from the the youth squad to to fill that role, or do we have a transition period where he plays more than he doesn't play, but we protect it? What we can't do is we can't leave him exposed in the way that he was on on Friday night. What was brilliant, you know, just to kind of turn it back into a positive, was the way that the team responded to his sending off. So, you know, given that we'd set up as a three-five-two, given that you know it was pretty inarguable as as, as a red card, um, the switch and the way that we we kind of we consolidated, we defended well again, and, and actually arguably looked more threatening in in the last five ten minutes than United did. I thought it was tremendous with ten players. I mean, and again, you know, that, that speaks volumes for something that's going on inside the squad. Whether it's the the new manager effect, whether it's the motivation effect on, of having players like Zhao who feel a new lease of uh, a positivity. Although I think he was off the pitch by then. Um, it, it, it was just it was a reaction from a Wednesday side that we haven't seen in a long time. And, and it, it, the fan base responded magnificently. You know, we could feel the energy in, in the football factory, and I'm, I'm certain that the, the folks who are watching live at Bramall Lane could as well. Yeah, I think it was fortunate because when you run that three-five-two, uh, it's it's natural. You have three central defenders, presumably, and so you don't have to make that extra substitution. You don't have to take a midfielder off. You don't have to kind of ruin the flow of the game. You just you know, squeeze things in in the back and. Uh, like you said, we, we responded well. We kept attacking. We kept moving things forward. And, uh, you know, I, we have nothing to be ashamed of in that match. And, uh, you know, I think we, we possibly could have nicked it at the end. On a related yeah. note, how the heck were they ever in the top two in this league? That is the most bang average <laughs> championship team I have ever seen in my life. Just, I think it was the uh, promotion kind of bounce, wasn't it? And obviously the, the coach had got him riled up. They were they were playing completely through like I don't know, a great morale, great team energy. Uh, but you get found out through a course of a season, and uh, thanks for playing Leon that... Clark up front. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, and then also a big shout out to Vanessa and, and that defense because I think Clark got maybe one touch throughout the entire game, and that was that header at the near post that went wide. Um, yeah, other than that, we uh, made him look as average as he actually is. Um, but yeah, I mean, towards the end, we really rallied. Uh, Reach again. Uh, I mean, he has really taken on that mantle of the midfield engine after Bannon's injury. I mean, now he's playing more in a central role. He does not stop running. He's been one of our best players all season, as I said. But if that shot in the last minute had flown in that top corner, he would have been immortalised uh, in Wednesday legend because 
I think up until now, most Wednesday fans are kind of like growing to like him. But after a bit of a shaky start to his uh, career at Wednesday, he's not really um, taking all Wednesday fans uh, kind of like plaudits at the moment. I know what you're talking about, Patty. I've always been a huge Adam Reach supporter. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) With that shot flowing in the top corner, oh my God. He would be uh, by far away um, Wednesday fans' favourite player. And that, let's talk about that shot, right? Because that, that goalkeeper was on the floor injured when Reach got the ball. And for him to get off of the floor and save it in basically what was almost top corner, it's a fantastic save. Um, you you have seems... to give that credit, don't you? It was yeah. it was a top draw save from Simon Moore because I, I've, I've watched this back on the replays now several times over and every time I look at it, I'm thinking he's not going to get up. Like, you know, because Reach, Reach hits that so perfectly towards the stanchion. You, you can exactly see that. And I think we all did, right? We all thought that's just going to fly in the top corner and we're going to go kind of kick off at that point. Uh, it was an amazing save. Only matched by the save that um, the Wildsmith made at the other end, by the way, from that kind of point header from, I think that was Clark as well. Uh, in, in all uh, fairness. Coming, Donaldson? The, yeah, Donaldson. Uh, it might have been Donaldson, actually. Yeah, it was the ball in from the right from Baldock and then Donaldson getting the, uh, the flick header on it and, and kind of, Wildsmith just got his fingertips to it. Now, absolutely fair, but uh, I, I kind of, I slightly disagree with the assessment of United, um, and, and this is where I want to be generous. And I'm, it's not, it's not a team I, I naturally want to be generous to, but I, I don't think they look like a promotion-winning side. Um, but equally, I don't think they look like a bad side. I, I thought they used the ball well. I thought their formation worked well. That you know, they pressed us most of the game, um, and a few of the moves that they. You know they executed, particularly that free kick that did get get the the free header to Clark at the uh, at the near post. You know that, those are the moves they work very hard on, and, and we've seen some stuff in the week in terms of kind of analysis of their set piece play in particular, which we have to kind of give them credit for. Uh, they're not a, they're not a daft side, um, and that actually makes the achievement for Wednesday all the better because they're a darn sight better than Burton, who we got walked over by the week previous. Um, you know, it's the same players basically who went through that experience, and and something's changed inside the club. Something's changed in terms of the organisation, the way that the players are drilled, certainly the way the players are trained, um, and it it immediately generated what I think we'll look back on and say is is a good result. It was certainly the right result to kind of get the Joss era off to a um, a positive start with the fan base. Congratulations, James! You've just gone from the second most loved podcaster in Sheffield Wednesday to the most hated with those comments so congrats on that he was also the most second most loved sheffield wednesday podcaster named james though i think well they, I, I figured they were just both tied for second well, I people the same probably person. don't know the difference exactly <laughs> it does seem though that the uh, official sheffield united twitter account disagreed with uh, the celebratory mood post-match Yes, oh, Jeff, yes. and that was the tweet of the year. The response of the year award goes to Jeff. Um, I, can, I, for can, that. I guess I should. Yeah, I like to think that the Owls America's Twitter account belongs to all of us. But yes, I did actually ask permission to do that too. I don't know why I asked permission. <laughs> well, you, Jeff, you never fair. have to ask permission again because that it's was just, a legendary it's just banter, tweet, really. But yes, but uh, yeah, yeah, that was like, legend. You know, yeah. So. My feeling is that there are, should be looser rules for celebrating a derby result. And like, look, our reserve squad came in and put in a heck of a performance, and that should be celebrated. It should. And just for any of you that listen to the podcast but don't follow us on Twitter or don't use Twitter, um, the official Sheffield United account tweeted uh, something along the lines of the Wednesday f- supporters are bouncing because they've just drawn nil-nil. And Jeff's response was, we could lose 5-0 and 
and still celebrate not being you. It's a beautiful tweet. Mic drop. I mean, it, the, it, the it literally thing. summed up what we all think. It was it was beautiful, really beautiful. The amusing thing to me is that I think it, the result made United fans angrier than it actually made us happy, but that just makes us happier. So, <laughs> well, well, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's kind cycle. of a it's kind of a pride restoration thing, you know. We we've been down, and now we have this derby match, and I think the the general sentiment in in the fan base was that you know we might lose. We'll probably we will probably get beat and we throw a club out there in a different formation or a squad out there in a different formation with a few different faces. And it was just, I was nervous. I think a lot of us were nervous and we, we kind of were, were prepared for the worst. And when that happened, I think it's jubilation. It's just so exciting to know that uh, they are not actually better than us. It was a weird feeling, though, wasn't it? Because I didn't want to be too celebratory. At the end of the day, it is a nil-nil draw against United away from home. And we've gone from being so so much so superior to our neighbours to, uh, like, I didn't want to be, like, celebrating the achievement of drawing nil-nil, is what I'm saying. Even though it was a good achievement, it was a good performance, and after a crappy couple of months, it was well needed. But I was very kind of reserved in my celebrations at the Football Factory. I was very much like, it's a nil-nil draw, it was deserved, and I'm happy to see progress. But at the end of the day, it's a nil-nil draw, and we've got to move on from here. Yeah, but I, I was just – I got more and more happy as time went on, you know, right afterward. I was disappointed that we couldn't put one in. I was irritated with the United goalkeeper because he acted injured and then was able to make a brilliant – like one of the best saves I've ever seen. And then he went right back down injured. I don't I mean, I think uh, he was on, How unlucky injured. can we get? <laughs> oh, I know. I know. But, um, you know, it was disappointment right away. But then, you know, as you think about it, it's just uh, – it's nice to feel like we're you know, maybe starting to turn things around. And it's that feel that matters, right? On on a fact basis, uh, I think Paddy's got it absolutely spot on. I mean, you know, we this season was not meant to be about celebrating a nil-nil draw at Bramall Lane, right? You know, they're, they're the newly promoted Wazzocks from the other side of the city. But this season hasn't followed the script. You know, we we haven't got where we thought we were going to. We haven't delivered what we expected. And and frankly, that derby back in September when they when they came to Hillsborough has kind of conditioned all of us as Wednesdayites and all, and certainly the club, I think, uh, for the season that we've had. So, sort of going into that with all the injuries that we had, with the change of manager, with the form that we were in, with the the frankly just the expectation that they were going to walk all over us, and to see us our team regrow a spine. To, to put up that defensive performance, to almost nick it at the end, to to kind of basically stick it to them at, our, at their place, not you know not in a defeat, but in in at least kind of standing up to them. I, I think that just gives Wednesday fans a lot of heart, and, and that's that's kind of my biggest learning so far from this season, which is that this fan base needs heart, it needs emotion, it needs to see commitment on the pitch. Um, you know, if there's one kind of obvious learning from the Carlos era, it's we can't just be about beautiful football. This fan base needs to feel that that we're passionate as well, and and we saw some passion on uh, on Friday night, and that that I think is why people are feeling a little bit more upbeat and a little bit more positive about what we can do in the second half of the season. You guys can be as sort of reserved and nuanced about it as you want. I am definitely looking forward to buying my DVD and commemorative coffee mug. <laughs> God Almighty! <laughs> but now we'll move on to Carlisle, a cold Tuesday night in Hillsboro, the replay of the. Boring nil-nil draw at their place. Different game, different weather, 
same formation, some new players, and a, all in all, a good result in which Wednesday took care of business, Evan. Yeah, I uh, I saw the lineup and immediately sent a, a message to the WhatsApp group because I, I couldn't remember, and this, this just comes from years of not being able to watch many matches, I didn't remember Marco Matias as a, a straight striker. So, um, you know, it was, it was quite different, and I didn't even recognize Nielsen's name. And so it, it was fine, you know, knowing we're, we're going up against Carlisle at home uh, in some snowy conditions. I figured, you know, we'll, we'll be okay. Uh, but I think we played very well. It was nice to see the, the six-minute extended highlight video. Um, obviously, those are highlights, and we might have missed anything rough that happened. But uh, overall, it, it's very uh, exciting to move on in the FA Cup at this point. I mean, I think my understanding is Matthias, when he was at Nacional, was basically playing up front, but in a 4-3-3 on the wing. When he was like the third leading goal scorer before we signed him and somehow ruined him. Someone mentioned that he scored 15 goals from that in last season. And, 17 and 33. Jeez, what happened to that man? That's why we signed him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they threw him on the left wing. Was he playing up front to get us 17 goals, do you know? I think they, I think they played a... Nacional played a, plays a four three three, so he was up front, but on the like probably on the right side. So there the... is potential there. I mean, I know we keep saying potentially Matthias is involved, but I mean, I think he played much better in that central uh, role alongside Atty than I've seen him play um, for Wednesday. I mean, outside that goal against Leeds, which everyone always mentions, which was like, over a year ago, almost a year ago now, right? Um, it's like two years ago, Patty. Really? Okay, yeah. two years ago. Um, About two and a bit years ago, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I know oh, you. Yeah. Did, I know you didn't see it because you were in the bathroom. Terrible. But I was, yeah, I was in the loo for that one. That's always going to harm me. But that partnership with Atia and Matthias worked really well. I mean, the big man and the speedy guy obviously worked for teams years gone by. But why we can't put these people together under Carlos and give him a shot? Um, it just we shows you what a bit of pace up front helps. I mean, we haven't had anyone with pace really. It's not no, all that right. different from when we were running New Hue and Forestieri up front at the beginning of the Carlos era either true and i think um some of, the, some of the touches i mean that six and a half minute highlight reel and just to be open here that's all we've seen too i mean um the epic cup games aren't showing an eye follow so we can't see the full games here so we're, we're going on uh, audio commentary and six and a half minutes of video here but the six and a half minutes was basically the atty and matthias show yeah it was truly like every uh every 30 seconds it was atty link and matthias matthias shoots matthias links with atty atty shoots it was Wonderful to watch, and some lovely little flicks, Matthias, lovely little flicks, Matty. It was a great, solid partnership. And I know he's playing against Carlisle United. Fair enough. It's a snowy day, throwing out much space in the championship. But I think it's worth throwing them up uh, in place of Rhodes, for instance, who's not shown anything over the last few months. Um, so I think it's a give it a shout because I mean, Matthias and Atty took their goals really well. They fed off each other really well. Um, it was very positive, all in all. It was a League Two side, but. It's an interesting centre-back trio for the game, James. Interesting, kind of refreshing, right? I mean, um, so so Frederick Nielsen, who Evan hadn't heard of before kickoff, and and actually we had to do a little bit of research to make sure that I had remembered correctly that he'd uh, he'd played for Barnsley somewhere on his way through from uh, from Forests under under nineteen side. I mean. Yeah, so we had uh, we had Frederick Nielsen in there from from the under twenty threes. We had Connor O'Grady. Um, you know, it, it's just it's just so refreshing to see the youth getting a chance. You know, which is again something that really did not happen significantly under Carlos. You know, he made 
made some statements around that in whatever we call the League Cup these days, the Caribou Energy Caribou, nonsense. Yeah. yeah, the Mickey Mouse Cup since I'm at Disney. Um, but to see just, you know, putting them into a game which, let's be honest, it does matter. The FA Cup does matter. It, you know, we don't need the run, but you don't want to lose against Carlisle United at home. Um, so, you know, he trusted them. And, he, and and my assumption is that he's only been at the club for 10 days. He's looking at players on his merits. And from what I understand, uh, mostly from Jeff, I must add, you know, Nielsen was basically pulled straight out of the under-23 squad and put into first-team training when uh, when Joss arrived. So, you know, he sees in, in that player, and I think we saw the challenge first half where he, he dispossessed the Carlisle guy on the penalty spot, basically with his ankles. You know, a, a, a big, aggressive centre-back who can uh, who can put himself about. And, and it... It was nice to see that base then giving the opportunities for you know more established players like Atti and Matthias to uh, to give it a go up front. I mean, I, the, the way I'll kind of cast a difference is I'm more excited about what's going on at the back of the team and with Sean Clare making an appearance um, in the late stages at Bramble Lane because of the potential for the future of those youth players and the fact that they can really kind of come through and, and be a difference next season when we really need them. I don't think that Atty and Matthias are going to get us out of the championship. I kind of suspect they're probably not even going to be here next season. They're kind of coming toward the end of contracts. They're probably playing as much for uh, for the next opportunity as anything else. But but I totally agree with Paddy when I say what a difference it, it, it makes to kind of play play with players who have heart, energy, passion, and, and a little bit of pace and... Uh, and difference about them, you know, that just there's a different vibe about the Wednesday team, and we saw that again last night, and that's that's terrific. Well, you can say that you know we're sort of looking towards the future next year, but I mean, even this week, Lubin still has another game to go on his suspension. You assume Padil and Venancia will be two of the back three. They're going to need to find a third, and it very well may be uh, O'Grady or Nielsen in there against Cardiff. And I think we're okay with that. It's a funny thing. Yeah. I mean, I- I know on that highlight tape, there were a few, at least one, I guess, to be fair, um, one instance where it looked like Nielsen got beat, and he kind of made a, an interesting stab at the ball, and he did get it, but it almost looked like a Leuven's tackle where uh, Leuven's loses his man, stabs out for him, gets the foul. I mean, it easily could have gone for a, a bad card, so... Um, I'm all for, don't get me wrong, I'm all for uh, rotating some guys in there and, and trying some new stuff. I think that puts pressure on some of the first-teamers as well. You know, maybe gets them working a little harder in, in training and um, maybe lights a fire under their butt. But, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not terribly – I'm not overly excited about Nielsen, not because I don't believe in him or I think that he could be a good player, just that, you know, I, I don't think it's worth getting, you know – just massively excited about this big six eight, bigger than new you massive fella in the I back. Mean, to be fair, Evan, you say that he was a Lubin's like tackle, but he has much longer legs than Lubin, so he can uh, get get them in there. Well, <laughs> I suppose that is fair. Yeah, and it, and it looked like his shirt fit him uh, pretty well. It's kind of amazing that he doesn't have to wear an undershirt under his uh, under his Wednesday shirt. Unlike uh, maybe it's a fashion choice then that New is doing. Maybe it's just like he likes that better than the blue stuff. Well, he can yeah. do whatever he wants. He can. Well, he can because he's captain. He captain is. I was very upset that he didn't start the match as captain over Jones. Like, come on. So come on. does that make it? Oh yeah, totally. Does that make him like the vice, 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 the third, vice the captain? third captain? Well, Hutch is. So I guess Hutch is the vice captain. <laughs> We've had more captains. It's, it's we'll, all, we'll figure it out this weekend. I guess Jones will probably be in the 
starting eleven again this weekend. But uh, can we happen. stop <laughs> knocking Dave Jones? Like no. I, I, since since I've ingratiated myself pretty badly against the fan base by by saying a few things about our near neighbours, one one I hit on another topic. Right, <laughs> we we smash J- Dave Jones week in week out. We do. This guy is a Wednesdayite just like the rest of us. And actually, I, I've got to say, I'm, I'm going to go back to the United game for a second. I thought he had an excellent game in front of the back three or five um, at Bramall Lane. You know, he re- he kind of put himself about in a way that pretty much any of us would be as as Wednesday fans if we got a chance to play at Bramall Lane. I thought he was really effective. And and ultimately, this guy is not a defensive midfielder. You know, we're judging him on on relativity to Hutch. When actually, what is he then? What does he do? What's his, what's his skills? He, he's a ball carrier. He's a distributor. You know, he should be playing in a team that moves the ball quickly, that's playing with more aggression, more pressing. And I think he's, I think he's very agile on the ball. And I think if you watch him, his his distribution is good as well. I mean, he distributes he, the he's, ball he's very well backwards. So, so the system suits him. All I'm saying is, give the guy a chance. I don't think Dave Jones deserves the criticism that he gets from our fan base because I think I think he's trying to put a shift in in a place where I don't think his his preferred position is or, or where he's played most of his career. Um, so I, I give him a little bit more latitude than the average guy. But um, you know, if you think about it in those terms, told different things. So I think he's playing the right position, but he's been told different things. Is what you're saying, he's playing centre midfield, right? So he's been asked to track back more. Track back more, play more of that kind of aggressive kind of, you know, break up the play midfield role that, that we know Hutch plays beautifully when he's fit. Um, but I, I guess my point about him being captain, you know, if, if you've got a Wednesday in the squad and you can see his heart and, and that he it, what it means to him, I, I think that's another nice little touch from uh, from our from our boss, Joss. Well, they are actively trying to replace him with a Dutch midfielder, which we'll get to later in the show. But for now, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll head down to balmy South Carolina to find out how one of our other American owls became a Wednesdayite. It's now time to find out how our South Carolina owl Tommy Byrne became a Wednesdayite. So, Tommy, how did you become a Wednesdayite? It's actually a funny story. I uh, I was in Abu Dhabi in 2010, and I met a guy there who introduced me to the intricacies of uh, English football. And he was a Wednesdayite, and he was so passionate about it. And he told me his team was just about to get uh, pretty much given the wrap-it-up notice by the Queen for the tax bill. And uh, I said, you know what? I'm going to support that club. <laughs> I, I was almost like checking my own history documents. Then, like, wrapped up by the queen. How are the queen involved? Yeah. <laughs> Her majesty's uh, customers next size. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Excellent. It's, it's all in the name of the queen, Paddy. I'm yeah. sure it is. So, yeah, I was, you really threw me there. I thought the queen was on the back for a second there. Uh, were you into football beforehand? I played uh, growing up and uh, all the way through high school. But after that, I joined the military, and uh, I really didn't have time for that. Awesome, man. So uh, what were you doing in Abu Dhabi? Was that part of the military? Uh, I was a government contractor. Okay. Doing secret things? Uh, Semi-secret things. (laughs) (laughs) And and the Wednesday finding question, was he also doing secret things? No, he was was building scaffolding for uh, a couple of the towers that were going up there. That does not sound like a job I want to do. No, so hold on, you, you were scaling one of the towers that were going up. He was building the scaffolding and he engaged in conversation about Sheffield Wednesday. <laughs> uh, 
Almost. Well, James, James uh, Bond more style. like we were in a bar watching a match. Chef <laughs> Wednesday match? Uh, no, it was uh, it was Wolves Manchester United. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's understandable the conversation turned. It to was dreadful. Topic. So, yeah, it's... <laughs> So that's, that's funny. Actually, the first time I met a uh, a Wednesday fan was in Iceland. I've talked about that for a second, but we were actually watching Manchester City QPR on the last day of the Premier League season when uh, City scored late to win the the league. So uh, interesting that it, it's Premier League that uh, brought you to Wednesday. Yeah, it was. Uh, we were sitting there watching it, and uh, uh, I told him that I was pretty sure that. Manchester United's uh, was the was the New York Yankees of English football, and he looked at me and he he's made I got no clue. I don't I don't I don't know anything about the Yankees. <laughs> this is this is the exact same conversation I had. Actually, I'm not I'm not kidding you. I I, I said that exact thing to the fellow I was sitting next to. That's, Hatred that's of Manchester right. United bringing soccer fans together all over the country. It certainly <laughs> <Yankees>. does. <laughs> Hatred of the Yankees and Man United will always bring American and expats together. I think. <laughs> yes, yeah, the two clubs that are hated the most around the world. <laughs> <laughs> There's a certain irony, isn't there, that the one thing that united that unites the two clubs of Manchester is the New York chuffing Yankees. Yeah. So uh, the branding association between Manchester United and the Yankees kind of goes back some, right? But now, of course, um, uh, New York City FC, the uh, the city affiliate club, play in Yankee Stadium. So. Uh, yeah, I, I guess kind of uh, America is uniting in hatred against both the Yankees and the Manchester clubs. Brilliant. Yeah, it's, and and that should. brings us all the way back around to Sheffield Wednesday. <laughs> well, yeah, I've always been a I've always been a supporter of the underdog. It's uh, and I, I I heard the story of how Sheffield Wednesday used to be this massive, awesome. I'm sorry to use the M word, um, but uh, used to be this this incredible club that was was one of the founders of English football and. And now they've they've fallen on hard times, and I said, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull for them left, right, and center. So and, so how often know? how often do you get to watch matches? Do you do you watch most of them? Uh, you know, were you an, an I follow or I guess Wednesday player listener before? No, this season? I don't get it because I work weekends also. Oh, okay, I'm, I'm also a bartender, so I only get them when what is it two three times a year that they're on ESPN three. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Did you uh, did you watch on Friday evening then when we were on uh, on the illustrious ESPN three with our uh, enigmatic nil nil draw against those who shall not be named? Uh, no, I was uh, um, I was actually uh, unable to do that because I was back at work. <laughs> yeah, some of us do have actual uh, actual jobs, uh, James. <laughs> that don't take us around the country to see Wednesday games. <laughs> I, I don't know what you're talking about, Jeff. I'm I'm, I'm only in Disney World as we've well established. Whereabouts are you, Tommy? Uh, you're you're in South Carolina, is that right? I'm in Charleston, South Carolina. Okay, so is, is, there, is there much of a Wednesday community there, or, uh, <laughs> or are you are you the the first bastion of, uh, of Chef Wednesday first, sporting? And uh, there's actually a, a a photo that I'll I'll send to you guys once I once I find you <laughs> online. Um, I've actually recruited about oh maybe a dozen who are now full out Wednesday supporters. Brilliant. I've got a I've got a <laughs> small but passionate following. <laughs> so there there are thirteen Wednesday fans in Charleston, <laughs> South Carolina. Uh well, twelve including me. It's a, okay. Okay. 
That's pretty impressive. That, no, that definitely awesome. qualifies as an Owls America's branch. Um, definitely. And congratulations, you are now the coordinator of the, uh, the Charleston <laughs> branch of Owls Americas. Oh, hell, I worked three jobs already. <laughs> um, we, we, we're just going to tell Paul Owen, who isn't on the call, that he needs to create a logo for you and get you a Twitter handle. So we'll we'll sort all that out in the next few days. That'll be well, spectacular. Yeah. <laughs> so so, so I, I am curious. I am curious what the makeup of the group is. Do, do you have a lot of like young soccer supporters that needed a team to follow or some well, guys like you that didn't really follow football too closely and, and picked it up late? Um, well, I'm, I got to say that I, uh, uh, I uh, maybe I abused my power a little bit because I've been a youth soccer coach for about 15 years. Okay. So what I did is I always, in the, since 2010, I've named all my teams Wednesday. So all my <laughs> kids have grown up following Sheffield it's Wednesday. literal Wednesday. <laughs> I, I show them videos when we have uh, film day. And, uh, <laughs> so you literally, you literally forced Wednesday on small children. I certainly did. No, no, no. Evan, Evan, can we rephrase that? <laughs> what you mean to say is that you have... You have coerced people of minor age to follow a football club. <laughs> that sounds worse. That sounds worse. That sounds worse. Back it up. Back it up. In- inspired I w- the inspired. youth of America to follow the righteous path of Wednesday. I certainly, that's the best way I've heard it so far. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. Was that the good thing? No, that, that is were... so cool. That I mean, honestly, um, that is, that's awesome. I mean, when I was younger, I liked owls and started following Sheffield Wednesday when I was young. And, and that's, you know, that's that's a great age to get to get kids acclimated to the glory that is Sheffield Wednesday. Most of them are uh, getting ready to graduate high school now, so they're they've kind of moved past my my level of expertise in coaching. So uh, uh, they still call me coach whenever I see them, and I frequently get when when they walk into the, the restaurant I work at, I they'll walk in and raise their hands up and scream "Hi ho, Sheffield Wednesday!" So. It's, <laughs> This is an incredible story that in Charleston, South Carolina, people are singing Hi Ho Sheffield Wednesday. <laughs> Absolutely. And there, are, there are a series of youth soccer teams with Wednesday in the title. <laughs> uh, there are. Uh, the, 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 the pub that I work at, which was just rated the uh, number one Irish pub in South Carolina, I got to give a plug there, Madra Rua. Um, it, they, we have several plaques up because they sponsored the team and it was. It was pretty funny because all the other ones have somewhat legitimate sponsors. And here I come with a pub as our sponsor. We are kind of <laughs> like the, the bad news bears. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's hey. very British though as well. That's very British of you to have a pub sponsoring uh, the local teams. Well, I'll tell you what, forget New York City. Charleston, South Carolina is the new home for American Wednesday supporters. <laughs> so I have been to this bar, by the way. So me and Tommy have been in touch a long time ago. So I've got in-laws down in South Carolina. Um, and I think I remember, you weren't there at the time, were you, Tommy? I think it was a few years ago, maybe four or five years ago. Uh, and I asked someone, uh, where can I watch Wednesday down like in the South Carolina, Charleston area? And I think it was yourself or maybe Lewis that got in touch with me saying you should go to this bar because I met this guy called Tommy down there. Yeah, that was uh, me. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I don't think you were there when I was there, were you? No, no. no. Uh, you might have been at the the other location. We, we have two There is locations. two. Yeah, there is two. I think I actually made it a pilgrimage to go to the one that you told me about. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. It's bit outside my town, isn't it? It's a bit further out than the central one. But, yeah, it's a great little bar, a proper little Irish pub. Um, I can totally see it working. But it's got some similarities to the football factory that we call home in New York. Um, 
and it's a lovely little bar. So if you're in Charleston, like uh, Tommy says, goes to uh, Madrua, the one that's outside of town, right? Yes, the one in Somerville. Somerville, right. Just north of Charleston. I'm sure you can influence people through your bar as well there, Tommy, right? Oh, absolutely. I, I do all the time. In fact, um, my boss is a is a huge Liverpool fan. I don't hold it against him. But, uh, you know, he was he was indoctrinated by his father, so I can't help that. And uh, he actually hung a Wednesday scarf when I got deployed to Iraq up above uh, one of the doorways in the bar above the Liverpool flag. So... It's still hanging there, and now it's framed. <laughs> it's brilliant. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So, so do you have? I, I'm not exactly sure how long you've been following, but do, do you have a favorite player in that time period? Is there is someone that you kind of relate to or, or enjoy watching? I tell you what, the 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 guy that he's kind of a scumbag, but I love to watch him play down in League One was Gary Medine. <laughs> yes. You know, I don't was, blame you. He was a proper headbutting English forward. You know, it's, <laughs> it's. I I fully expected him to 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 if he had improved to the level that he could have, he could have been the next Andy Carroll. That's <laughs> <laughs> what a testament. Right. He, recently, he was recently a Wednesday hero when he he scored against United later on in the match. That's right. Yeah. It's. <laughs> Aren't there rumors that he's getting like five a, uh, million in the transfer market right now or something? Yeah, yeah. so so an in the no transfer account on Twitter today actually suggested that Wednesday were uh, were in negotiations to try and re-sign the uh, the enigmatic headbutting Gary Medine as a as a way to get back up the table. Um, no way. I, th- I think the nightclubs of Sheffield would uh, would ask Wednesday to reconsider that. Plan. <laughs> <laughs> as well as, as the police the department. Police. That's, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Yeah, I think that uh, personally, I think that'd be a huge mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I think we have enough forwards right now, <laughs> so that's true. We might need to unload Charleston. a few. What was that, Patty? He's always welcoming Charleston, though, Tommy. Right? He always is. In fact, I will <laughs> buy him a beer at my pub, <laughs> and then beat the shit out of him if he acts up. <laughs> I will do my best. I'm not a large man. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. No, that's great. That's great. It's uh, it's definitely a pleasure to have you on. Um, you know, it's it's cool. I, this is one of my favorite stories, just to hear that you've you've been able to to get a dozen or so, you know, Wednesday supporters or make make a dozen or so Wednesday supporters in Charleston. Um, you know, you, you hear all the time. You know, my wife, she she follows Wednesday, and I have a couple friends that casually keep up with our scores and such. And um, you know, that's great. I mean, that's kind of our mission, isn't it? Is to just kind of tell people why we love so much and or why we love Wednesday so much and, and hope that they grasp that. So that's great. And we're, we're glad that you're doing that. And uh, I guess I guess my last question will be, how, how do you uh, see this season or how have you, I shouldn't say how have you enjoyed this season, but what are your thoughts? We'll go with that. What are your thoughts on this season so far? Well, I didn't want to admit it, but I think that uh, about, a, a, I would say, November, Carlos kind of checked out, and he was looking. He was looking for that next opportunity, and that uh, kind of bred discontent among the team. So it was. I think it was a good time for him to go. Um, but he also was behind the eight ball because I mean we have an entire starting eleven in the trainers room, 
so it's, I mean, it, it's, I think that kind of uh, gave him a little bit of discontent with the team. And uh, that's one of the reasons why he was so eager to go to friggin' Swansea. <laughs> friggin' Swansea. That's exactly right. <laughs> Yeah. He was definitely yeah. checking up on Tinder for other dates, wasn't he? I think while he was with us for the last month or so. So yeah, that I think that's definitely one of the things that's come to light now uh, in, uh, since he's moved over to Swansea. Oh man, Tommy, it's been fantastic to have you on. Um, again, we should uh, definitely get uh, Madsla Rua on the uh, Owls America's website as a place for Wednesday nights to go watch the game every now and again. Absolutely. Uh, Anytime you guys are in South Carolina, we can we can do a remote podcast from the pub. That sounds great. And we'll definitely call on you again to go on the podcast, mate, for some for your thoughts on the season later on. Absolutely. I'd love to. Cheers, All right. man. And, and Tommy, Tommy, lastly, I just want to thank you for your service, bud. We appreciate oh, thank it. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. All Cheers, right. man. We're back with a full docket of Wednesday news to cover starting with our fourth round FA Cup fixture against Reading which will be on Friday night Patty not on TV though uh, yeah thank god and uh, no, I was worried for a second there when it was announced for Friday uh, night and I was like oh, please do not televise Sheffield Wednesday versus Reading it ruined uh, Paul's relationship just... again <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah Thankfully, uh, he's got that ring on the finger now, so hopefully it's a bit more stable. Uh, but yeah, it's on Friday afternoon, Friday night, uh, English time, Friday afternoon, American time. And um, because United are at home to Preston the next day in the league, so that's why we've been moved to Friday. Uh, and that's about as exciting as it's going to get, I'm afraid. Um, uh, Reading uh, were also celebrating the fact that they managed to score three goals for the first time in about three years against Stevenage, as we were celebrating scoring two goals against Carlisle. So that's the level we're aiming at at the moment for this uh, FA Cup tie. And as we move into the middle of January, there are some transfer rumors starting up, including Joey Pelopesi, which is a very dangerous name to say on a podcast after a large glass of Pelopesi. wine. Pelopesi. He's <laughs> Dutch. Come on. He's not Italian, is he? <laughs> <laughs> He's very much as an Italian. Pelopesi. I can speak to the fact that it's probably not Italian. Pelopesi. The like cent- epilepsy a bit. That sounds, yeah, it sounds like a disease. Central defensive midfielder at Heracles in the Dutch League. He's like a square-jawed, square-bodied man, from what I can tell. He he is good-looking, isn't he? He's he's quite a lithe, square-bodied man, Jeff. I think you're being a bit unfair there. He's quite quite tall and kind of sort of thin in a a fairly well-manicured sort of way. Possibly well-waxed as well from the pictures I've seen. (laughs) <laughs> oh, what pictures have you seen? You've done a lot of research there, James. Well waxed. <laughs> that's actually that's the first thing I look for in a transfer. Is how how smooth is his skin, and is he hairy or not? That's on uh, transfermarket.com. That uh, how much waxing does he do regularly? <laughs> Smoothness of skin, eight out of ten. <laughs> Very slippery. Uh, but speaking about wax pussies, um, it looks like she's got some good um, stats. In. <laughs> Just trying to sneak that one in there. Oh, no. <laughs> Have you seen uh, his um, goal that's going around Twitter at the moment? He's only like three as far as I can tell from his Wikipedia page. So There's one that's been spread on Twitter, which uh, is a fantastic like hammer hit from like 40 yards out. Uh, it's absolutely like struck with such venom. 
And if you can do that more regularly, then he's uh, going to be a good signing. That's all I know about this guy. He's called Pelopissi, and he can hit the ball. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. <laughs> do we have to be serious for a second here? Because it's interesting. The, the analysis I've read of him so far, and there's actually um, there's a good profile, I think, written by a... I'm not sure if he's a Dutch journalist or an English journalist working in Holland, um, who was uh, who was doing a bit of kind of covert reporting for the Star this week? So it's on Twitter. If you want to find it, we'll we'll find it and tweet it back out again. Um, he was suggesting actually his his strength is not his goal scoring. That actually he doesn't score as many goals as as he probably should. Um, but he's a very very mobile box to box midfielder in terms of distributing the play, breaking it up, and and moving it forward. If, if anything, he sounds like possibly a player a bit more in the Hutch mold, um, and um, and that that could be a good thing for us given. Uh, Given Hutch's very uh, very disappointing injury record of like, I did not put this agenda together, but there is apparently a Mikel Nellum of Feyenoord that they're also interested in, James. That he's a left back, uh, which is pretty self intuitive that we yeah, need a left back enough. because of all the commentary on Morgan Fox earlier on. And yeah, I, I know we were all kind of mesmerised by by the way that Fox suddenly looked like he might possibly be a half decent player uh, in about October um, for a game, um, but yeah, he's not. So we desperately need a left back. Let's be honest. Especially if we if we're going to play three five two and we're going to play uh, Bidil on the left of those three centre backs, we need a left wing back. And and if um, if we're going to play Reach in a more advanced position, I don't necessarily agree that 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 is the right combination when you've got a full complement of the squad fit. But I think it's pretty screamingly obvious that we need an upgrade on the left back. So I I don't know if uh, if Nelom. Is uh, he's not Neymar, is he? Uh, Nelom is the uh, is the answer, but we're being linked with him. It, it's kind of inevitable, isn't it? You know, we've got a Dutch coach who spent most of his career in Germany. We're suddenly being linked with a bunch of uh, of Dutch and uh, and German players. Uh, what they do seem to share a characteristic on is that they're they're fairly uh, they're fairly well built, stocky, put themselves about sort of players. Um, you know, we're entering a different era at Wednesday. Um, you know, the players that Carlos wouldn't sign, it appears like uh, Jos will uh, will go after. So. Uh, let's see how these rumors uh, develop in the next few days. Well, I, I'm not nearly as excited about Nellum because I'm reading here smoothness of skin is only four out of ten. Um, oh, so yeah, hopefully we Patch can take wax. care of that. I'm the sorry. Deep for melons Patch. are pelopsy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good oh Lord. man. Anyway, I, I don't know how many body waxing shops are there in Sheffield's. There's a few spas that are on TV, apparently. Let's not go there. Let's not talk about Let's move on. Let's move on to please? the... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Let's move on to the fans How about forum. the fan behavior at the Derby? We can do that. Oh, that's a good or show. the Derby. The Derby. Uh, that, that, that's a good way of getting serious for a second, isn't it? Um, so, I mean, I, I think there was there was quite a lot of discussion on this on social media and, and on both sides. Um both sides of the city divide criticizing behavior of both sets of fans in terms of some of the, the derogatory chanting that was coming, um, which frankly has nothing to do with football. I was at the Brentford away game and there was uh, a song that's been going on around um, uh, one of Chris Wilder's daughters. And it's, it, it, you know, it maybe it entertains a few of our fan base. It's got nothing to do with the game. It's got nothing to do with Sheffield Wednesday. It's derogatory. It's probably ill-informed and, and it, it shouldn't be going on. And what was great at Brentford is that the, most of the Wednesday fans booed it pretty quickly and it, it kind of disappeared. I think it made a reappearance at, at Bramble Lane and it's been rightly criticised. On the other side, you know, the, the United Knights felt the need to uh, to kind of carry on and, and that club has got a pretty checkered history in terms of its representation of um, of kind of, you know, thinking about the equal rights of, of both genders or all genders in football. So it, it it's 
unfortunately, it's it's something that's very present. It's it's going to be around for a while. But the the mature and the right thing to say is that it it shouldn't be there. You know, the fan base shouldn't be behaving that way, and 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 we all as fans should roundly criticise it and uh, and get rid of the people who uh, who perpetrate it. Yeah, I'm a big University of Kentucky fan, sports all around. And um, I know some, someone asked a question on Twitter, do, do American fans understand the, the Derby? Do, do they understand the, the hatred between the two sides? And the closest I can come is, you know, obviously we have the, the Yankees Mets or Yankees Red Sox. We have, you know, we have this all across sport. But for me, as a big University of Kentucky fan, our biggest rival is is Louisville, the University of Louisville. They're an hour apart, the two cities, uh, which is very close in um, in U.S. terms. And so every time we get together, there there are always jeers. You know, there's always back and forth. But there's definitely a line that you don't cross. Um, and you just got to leave the personal stuff out. You know, I think it wasn't it Bolin's wife that came out this week that, that mentioned, um, your personal attacks by, by Wednesday fans. I mean, it's just, you can hate a team you can dislike players, but you shouldn't get personal. You, you don't attack family. You don't attack, um, you know, the players, personal lives. And unless it's Gary Medine, of course, um, <laughs> And and it's just it's disappointing to see that kind of behavior for me. Yeah, no, that's well said. Well said, Evan. I think I think I, I don't think we need to kind of say much more. Actually, you know, the point is, it's immature. It doesn't have a place, and and we will all be a lot better off if we all roundly criticise it and we don't give credence to it. And there's plenty of material to take the piss out of United on the pitch. We don't need to go off the pitch at all. Well, hey, to be fair, they had great banter, I heard, at the stadium when they I said, to say, yes, um, the, what was it about the season ticket refund? Season ticket refund competition and just having Leon Clark as captain is outstanding. Yeah. Banter, so fair play. <laughs> that's that's the good stuff. You know, yeah. that's that's what you're supposed to do. Um, anyway, wasn't there a big fans forum last Thursday? There was, Evan. Another one. Uh, so I guess the most important news coming out of it is we might have stripes back at some point, James. We might do. We might not do. Who cares? It's blue and white. I, honestly, I couldn't. I couldn't give a damn about stripes. Sorry to upset at least five people who are listening. But look, we play in blue and white. Whether it's configured in a in a stripe formation or on the sleeves, it, it doesn't make a great deal of difference. What What Mr. Chancery, I think, did really well on that subject and on many other subjects is he he told people what he thinks yeah. and what he said very categorically was, "I don't have a problem with stripes. I've never said we're never going to have stripes. I'm saying that we're." we're adapting our kit to pay homage to different different areas of the club. Maybe stripes will come back in the future. Maybe they won't. We'll see. Um, but he was there for what? I, I mean, I've, so I, I've sat like through five, five hours, hours of a steering group. This this fans forum was the best part of six hours. I think they were still there in like one, two o'clock in the morning. And even when it finished, I don't know if people saw this photograph, and I think it was Dom Housen again that uh, tweeted it out, um, of Mr. Transiri deep in conversation with three or four fans who really wanted to press him on an issue in the small hours of the morning, the Friday morning of the derby, which is a big deal for Wednesday. It was a big deal for the owner. If anybody doubts this this owner's commitment to Wednesday and his passion to get it right, even though clearly we've made some missteps, I, I, I would really call into question their judgment in terms of making that assertion because it is clear that he is willing to listen, arguably too much. Um, it's also clear that he's willing to, to take on board feedback. 
Um, and, you know, I don't know that we can ask much more of that, especially when we consider how much he has dipped into his own pockets. Yeah, I think I think for me, especially this season, we're in turmoil, or we were. Hopefully we're coming out of it, and uh, things haven't been going well. And for me, Chan Siri has really shown his true colors. You know, we, we know we know he's a great businessman. Okay, he's he's obviously done very well for himself. He loves his family. He, he's uh, excited about passing the club down, you know, throughout many generations in his family. And all, all he is to me right now is is a a great business owner who is in a new business and he's still trying to learn. Just like a young player is going to mess up a little bit here and there. Um, you know, he he's kind of learning learning as he goes. And I, I'm really looking forward to the future of the Chain Series. I think he'll he'll learn from from mistakes, and uh, I think he's he's a really strong, passionate owner. And I think we'll we'll eventually go up, and we'll eventually do very well under under Chain Series. But first things first, we head to Cardiff. James Allen. We we do, although it sounds like somebody needs to blow their nose in there. <laughs> well, uh, what was that? The, uh, yeah, that was right, yeah. the scary, creaky mm-hmm. door opening. Was a ghost just walking in? It was like, <laughs> that was an elephantine nose blow. Although I'm, I'm not surprised you noticed that and not the tub burst. being plunged in the background for most of the half of the show. <laughs> what was that? Yeah. Let's let's move on. Cardiff, Cardiff. Yeah, we're not going to Cardiff. They're coming to us. So um, I, I guess we're we're kind of profiling the town that is. Uh, the the Welsh town that we're is going, making we're an invasion going to Cardiff on the show into the into the English countryside. Although yes, we're going to Cardiff now. So let, let's let's recognise first of all for our American listeners that you know we are we are not English. We are British. In fact, we're not even British. We're part of the United Kingdom of Great Britain, Ireland, and various other small places out to sea. Um, one of those Northern kingdoms, Ireland, to be clear, so we don't get in trouble. <laughs> Also, the Isle of Man and, and some of the silly islands, but we'll get, we'll get onto that when they eventually have a championship side. Um, one of the kingdoms of, of the United Kingdom is Wales, um, which is a, a historic and storied uh, country of um, Arthurian fame. If you uh, if you follow mythology and you you want to kind of go back and look at the uh, the legend of, uh, of King Arthur and Merlin and all that kind of jazz uh, it's got nothing to do with cardiff to be perfectly honest uh, cardiff is the capital of wales it's down in south wales it's uh, uh, i guess kind of a, a fairly big city by welsh standards given that they've only got really two cities um if you discount wrexham for a second um cap- the capital of wales the seat of government uh, the seat of uh, of the national assembly to be honest I, I i started doing some research to try and give cardiff a good trashing but Every time I started it, I kind of came back to the fact that I kind of love Cardiff for, for one simple reason, which is the day out I had in 2005. Um, so in the mid-2000s, um, Cardiff, the Millennium Stadium, the uh, the national stadium in, uh, in Cardiff City Centre, was standing in for Wembley while it was being rebuilt. So all of the, the big games that would have been played in, in Wembley in London were being played in Cardiff. So when Wednesday got to the playoff final against Hartlepool, we all uh, we all traipsed down there. And I had an absolutely fantastic day out. One of the the best days I've ever had as a Wednesday supporter. So I've kind of got almost a, a pretty kind of... A uh, positive glow about Cardiff, all all because of that. I have spent a bit of time there for work, a, a bit of time there, kind of traipsing around the place. It it's not the most illuminating city in the world. It's got a nice castle. Um, it uh, it bequeathed a Charlotte Church, who Americans may be f- familiar with for for singing opera at the White House and then going on a 
drink and drug fueled binge for about a decade. I think she's doing pretty well now, which is nice. Um, but there's not an awful lot more to know about Cardiff other than the fact that it's um, it's it's kind of a city by the bay, uh, the the host of the uh, the Welsh tiger economy, which has kind of boomed and, and busted a little bit. Um, it was uh, it once had an official mole catcher, apparently, um, which. I guess what tells you all you need to know about the Welsh people, though they were considered. No, no, I, they... I need to know more about this. <laughs> I need to know they, more about this mole catcher. They, the, in, 19, in 1897, the Cardiff Corporation appointed an official mole catcher to look after the city's moles. Uh, if Just you're not familiar guy. with moles. Just one guy, yeah. Apparently, moles were a particular problem in Cardiff in the uh, in the 1890s. So, uh, so they did that. Um, who else? Captain Morgan. Um, was uh, or, or uh, Henry Morgan, as he was better known, was a, a pirate who hailed from Cardiff. Apparently, he ended up bequeathing a great rum business. So, Weldon Cardiff for that. Um, oh, and uh, apparently, when uh, this this all kind of play to uh, people like me who uh, who were kids in the uh, late eighties and nineties and loved the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, apparently the TMNT uh, had a particularly big effect on Cardiff because when that went big, uh, everybody went and brought terrapins. And then when the terrapins got big, uh, they dumped them in uh, in, a, in a park called Roth Park. Uh, and apparently the lake became uh, absolutely <laughs> infested with terrapins. There were over 100 of them there. Um, and official measures had to be brought in to, uh, to calm the situation. So uh, presumably that extended to bringing in uh, Neil Warnock to, uh, to clean things up uh, and to, uh, to push on the local football side. So, yeah, um, all kind of oddities going on in Cardiff. All you need to know really is that they're a, they're a Welsh team playing in the English Championship. Um, they, uh, they've obviously kind of skirmished with the Premier League in recent years. Um, they're, they're one of the, the more successful teams in the championship probably over the last decade. And, and they have a, um, probably the most noticeable adversary of Sheffield Wednesday at the helm in, in the form of, uh, of Colin. So, uh, he's coming back to Hillsborough on, uh, on Saturday, uh, having, uh, having repeatedly come and poked, poked us in the eye, uh, until the last couple of seasons where we've probably kind of returned the favor. Um, and they're on the up. They're, uh, you know, they're certainly in the hunt for the automatic promotion places. Um, so it's it's going to be a really interesting follow-up to the derby, right? And you know, there, there was a real grudge match where Wednesday showed some spine and some bottle and kind of pulled things back together. We've now got to do that against one of the division's top sides and against the arch enemy in the form of Colin uh, Colin Warnock, to be polite for a second. It is, I think, you're right. A uh, a good test. You know, we're riding high off a. Of nil-nil draw and a 2-0 comfortable win over a League 2 side. Now we kind of get to see what the squad's really made of now. What Sort of what Yas has in, uh, installed in them. Well, it's two weeks, isn't it? Two weeks of preparation. Uh, a couple of games under his belt. He's seen what they can do. He should have a good idea who the best players are and what positions. Unfortunately, he's still working with a load of um, injuries. Uh, so I think, yeah, it's, it's one of the... Uh, it's a good test against a good team, a very organised team. Someone, I think, uh, I think Warnock gets the same kind of ilk as Yoss. He's a good organiser. Um, will get the best out of his players. Unfortunately, uh, he's still a bit of a twat, uh, where Yoss is not. Um, but hopefully, I think uh, I can see us going there to, to Hillsborough and getting something out of this. I'm not saying it's going to be a thrilling game to watch, but I think we can um, uh, keep clean sheet. And hopefully Nick a go. Oh, actually, I, I forgot to tell you that uh, Cardiff has one of the highest concentrations of branches of Greggs in the United Kingdom. Whoa. They have uh, they they have fourteen branches of Greggs in the city centre, as well as the uh, the best kept public toilets. So um, anyway, 
I don't know if that's got any correlation with, uh, with Neil Warnock, but somehow I managed to fail to get that into my previous. I, I can't stop saying Captain Morgan in Welsh over and over. Captain Morgan. That's not a good Welsh accent. I'm sorry. sorry Sounds like that. Scandinavian. <laughs> Captain Morgan. Captain Morgan. Captain Morgan. No, not good. It's enough of that. Do we have any other business? Uh, yes, we have a voicemail and it is a doozy. So I want to thank Sam Howard in Florida for sending this. Uh, just to remind everyone, we've got a voicemail. Uh, it's 401-307-1867, or you can use Google Voice. Um, and we call it Dazed and Mumbled uh, in ode to the Praise and Grumble football heaven line. Uh, and Sam took Dazed and Mumbled very literally, calling up very drunk after the derby match. And it is absolutely hilarious. Uh, we're going to play a little bit of it, maybe edit it down a little bit too. Um, see if you can work out what he's on about, because we really can't. Hello. Sam here from Lake Worth, Florida. Fuck my ass, I sound right American. Anyway, I'm not so happy about that result because they won the first game. It's the biggest fucking game ever, isn't it? A derby. We need to win it. The second one, you have to lose in one. But there's a lot of positives there. That being, we actually look strong at the back, apart from Glenn Lubin's, which, what the fuck has happened there? But mainly, I want to ask, what do I... I don't want to sound like you're not real Wednesday fans, but do the American supporters actually really understand how vital this derby is? Because as a Sheffield lad, it means fucking everything. And I really hate them. I think even anybody with a decent mind who supports Sheffield United must really, really not be proud of their club. Because how could you when you support a convicted rapist and you throw piss on fans and you spit on fans? I've been to Bramalane before. I've experienced it. The first time I went to Bramalane. The first time we did the double over Sheffield United, over 90, 95 years or something like that. When Tug Guy scored that screamer, that was my first away day to Grand Lane. And as soon as I got to my seat, I had piss thrown over my shoulder. And at the end of the game, I was watching Sheffield United fans spit on our fans and actually made it on the Sheffield Wednesday website whilst all our fans were celebrating my face was looking up in disgust. So that was a beautiful photo. But anyway, yeah. Do the American fans really know the importance of this game? And I'm not 
saying that you don't love Wednesday like I do or whatever. I'm just... Right, so I'll finish what I was saying, essentially. Is I've never hated a club more than Sheffield United. And it is because they are fucking awful. They're fucking rapey supporters. I'm not gonna, I can't even go into that. Anyway, my mother's partner is a Sheffield United fan. He will now not step inside Bramall Lane until they get rid of Foxface. Because of that reason. And if only the rest of the fans had those sort of models. I know for a fact that wouldn't ever happen in Hillsborough. Not a fucking chance. But yeah. I'm not feeling very fucking happy. Because we didn't win. And we lost one already. So. <laughs> Here we go. And I'm drinking sweet water out here. Because I know that's a thing you do on your podcast. So here we are. But we look better. We look more organised. And let's fucking do it. And let's get behind them. Also, fuck me, I'm drunk. I'm in Lakeworth. And I'm always wanting to get a group together to watch a match. So if anybody is out ever visiting in the Palm Beach area down here. Alright. Good night. I will tell you this has been episode 15 of the Owls AmeriCast. Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with an American accent. You can find us on the internet at owlsamericas.com. You can email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com. And we are on Twitter at owlsamericas. Our podcast intro and bumpers are by fellow Wednesdayites Reverend and the Makers. The podcast is on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbeam, probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. And wherever you choose to consume Owls AmeriCast, we ask that you rate and review the show as it helps more Wednesdayites find our ramblings. And speaking of ramblings, you can leave the show a voicemail on our Days and Mumbled line at 1-401-307-1867. International rates do apply, but you can dial it for free using Google, Google Voice. James is on Twitter, at Manhattan Owl. James, what in the world is a Greg's? I, I don't know, but if you uh, if you bring me a kiss and the, the remainder of the bottle of makeup, then I'll love you forever. <laughs> I was going to do that for I was going to do that for Evan in a minute, so you ruined my. Oh, uh, you, I thought James would be too polite. Evan does not know how to use his phone, apparently. We just got a oh. sext from Evan to the WhatsApp group. Thankfully, it was relatively meek. Do you want to read it out to the list, to the listeners at home. Evan? No, we, we uh, I think I think I that. just did, Paddy. Someone um, else, someone else can read it. Uh, Evan's on Twitter. If you come give Ohio me a kiss Owl. and bring the maker's bottle with you, I'd love that. Ooh. Evan, have you learned a lesson about drinking and texting? <laughs> Man, you would think by this point in my life I've learned plenty of lessons. And uh, I still make plenty of mistakes. So the good news is while James was ranting about Cardiff, my wife brought me the maker's bottle and gave me a kiss. So I'm, uh, I'm all set. Patty is on Twitter at Patty A. Jones and at New York Owls. Patty, where are the meetups this weekend? Um, they are at uh, New York, Portland, 
New Orleans and Buenos Aires. Uh, the details are on alsamericas.com. I would like to give a big shout out to all, all of the fans that turned out uh, this past Friday for the United game. Uh, we had a massive crowd in New York at Football Factory. Uh, I think one of the biggest ones we've had, uh, including the playoffs and the Arsenal game. Uh, and I've seen some good pictures from around the rest of the world too. And uh, so congrats to everybody involved. Uh, we'll be back at it again in Football Factory on Saturday at 12.30 on ESPN3. And I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro, and we'll see you back here next week.